0: It's a comforting thought when you come to stand before the Lord's people to preach the gospel, to know that the blood of Christ goes deeper than the stain of our sin, and it's a comfort, it's a real comfort, and I'm glad you brought that hymn tonight, brother. Let's be turning to John chapter 19. John 19, we know from the scriptures that the Jews rejected Christ, the Christ of God. They rejected him, and they demanded that he be crucified as an insurrectionist, as a rebel against the Roman government. And Pilate, who by authority from Rome was the governor of Judea, he was the judge the governor would hear the case at that time and he would judge and though he found no fault in our lord he delivered christ to be crucified and pilate's final act was to write the crime of jesus and to put it on the cross and it says in verse 19 And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. When we read of our Lord's crucifixion and we're going through the four different evangelists, we notice that they record different aspects of our Lord's crucifixion crucifixion and some highlight one thing more than another and they emphasize something that the other one didn't emphasize quite the same way. But all four of the gospel writers recorded this information for us. John tells us that Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. A title is used to identify something. It gives it a descriptive heading so that by reading the title, you have a good sense of what the subject is, of what that book or paper or, or article is. It, it, we're, we have a sense of what it is by the title. For example, I titled this message, "Pilate Wrote a Title. And by that, you have an understanding that this message has something to do With what Pilate wrote. Luke tells us that a superscription also was written over him this is the King of the Jews. And that's exactly what a superscription is it's something written above. Mark adds the superscription of his accusation was written over the King of the Jews so that all who read it would know what he was accused of. And Matthew tells us, set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And that's really all that it was. He was accused of a crime. He committed no crime. No guile was found in his mouth. He committed no sin. Everything he did was perfect and just. But John gives us the fullest description of what Pilate wrote, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And we're told in John 19, verses 20 through 22, this title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh or near to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And the Jews, they were angry about this. They wanted Pilate to change what he had written. However, this man, who had bent and yielded to the the whims and, and wants of the Jews at every turn in this trial of our Lord, yet he remained resolute in this one thing, and he would not change what he had written. It was to be exactly as he recorded it. Why? Because the Father, the Father of heaven, uh, our Heavenly Father, our God, our, our Lord, had ordained and purposed this very work for his Son to do, that he should highly exalt him and give him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Christ of God truly was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And though he was taken, and by wicked hands crucified and slain, yet every detail was made to reveal and to manifest the glory of Christ. It was to exalt him in our hearts and in our minds, to give us an understanding of who God is, who our Savior is, who he is that laid down his life to give us life. And this is especially manifested to us now, the elect people of God, who by the grace of God are made by the grace of God to look for redemption, to seek God and to know how may I, a sinner, be justified with God when he stirs that up in our heart he surely does show us and bring to our knowledge to to show us who the savior is who he is by whom we may be just with god now in this title written by pilate our god reveals some glorious blessings which are given to the church you that believe the lord jesus christ who have no righteousness but the righteousness of Christ and hope in him whose hope of our acceptance with God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. There's blessings here in what Pilate wrote, what God the Father had him write according to purpose. You know, if we can see the glory of Christ when we read creation and we can see the the words speaking of and revealing Christ to us in the law and the history of Israel and we can see him in the Psalms and in the prophets, then surely we can see the glory of our Savior here in in what Pilate wrote above Christ. All right then, what does this title reveal? Once it was written, the title was affixed to the cross. And it's called a superscription. And therefore it was written over him. It sits above his head like a crown of glory. It sits above his head like a crown of glory. A beautiful crown of glory. It boldly asserts to every man that Jesus of Nazareth is the king of Of the Jews. Ignore him, disobey him, despise him at your own peril. We don't have a king here in the U.S., and we're not familiar with that, with having a monarch, but if we were in the presence of a monarch and we ignored him, if we treated him despitefully and shamefully and and just mocked him, we might not leave there with our heads. We could be put to death. And that's what we see here with Christ. He is the king of the Jews. To ignore him, to disobey him, is to do so at your own peril. This crown is put upon his head from heaven above. That he is the Christ of God, ordained, the king of the Jews of the Jews. Turn over to Exodus, Exodus 23. We'll be looking at a few scriptures, so just stay where you are until I tell you to go to the next place, and it'll be nice and easy for you. Exodus 23, verse 20 and 21. is our God speaking by Moses. Behold, he says, I send an angel before thee. And we know just as we heard on Sunday that it doesn't always mean a created angel, whether he's an angel uh, in heaven or he's an angel on earth, like a pastor having a message from God. Those are angels, messengers. Well, this is the mediator which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and men of whom he speaks. I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. Reminds me of Psalm 2 where the Lord says, kiss the son lest he be angry. Kneel before him and kiss his ring. You kiss the Son, we kiss the Son and worship him. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Those who do not believe the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no remission of sins. God the Father give gave us numerous testimonies. When Christ was here on the earth, when he came in the flesh, our God gave us numerous testimonies that he is the Christ. He gave him many miracles by which, he, by which he performed, which he did. And that testified to us that this is the Christ. No man can do these miracles except God be with him. They heard the words that he spoke with authority, and they wondered at him. But also, God gave other testimonies. In Matthew three seventeen, just just listen to these. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. Luke tells us there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. In John 12, 28, Christ prayed saying, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. How so? The name of God is in him. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth bodily in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's name is in Christ. And this heavenly crown, seated above the head of Christ, was testified to by our God when he raised his Christ, his son, from the dead. God was testifying to us that he is just and all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are justified in him. Christ was justified as the only man to die and to ri- rise again, never to die again. He was the first one, the firstborn to die and rise again never to die again. that's his his honor and after confirming the disciples, the risen Savior, our risen Lord went and confirmed to the disciples that he indeed was risen from the dead just as he told them he would. And he comes to his disciples and he gave them his great commission as their Lord and their king. And then he ascended up to heaven for his coronation. Turn over to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And let's read just verses 6 through 9. Here our Lord tells us in Psalm 2, verse 6, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, this is our Savior speaking now, The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession thou shalt break them with a rod of iron thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel this same jesus is ordained of god king of the jews he ascended up to heaven and he is seated now at the right hand of the throne of god who having offered his one sacrifice now sits expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Peter, speaking of this very thing, tells us in Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the king. He's the king. He's ruling. He's reigning even now. Now, the Jews, they didn't like what Pilate wrote. But God moved Pilate to write exactly what God had purposed. He he moved him to write exactly why he was crucified. This, This title tells us why Christ was crucified. He didn't write what the Jews wanted because they were not in control. They were not in control. This man, Pilate, wrote exactly what God wanted him to write, which is the very reason for his crucifixion, and it's according to God's gracious will and purpose for his chosen people. Jesus of Nazareth was crucified because he is the king of the Jews. That's why he was crucified, because he is the king of the Jews. Who are these Jews. Who are the Jews? Who, do the, who does the scriptures tell us the Jews are? This blessed title, a Jew, is, it describes the elect people of God. The Jews are all those who are chosen of God. They're called in scripture the remnant according to the election of grace. That's who the Jews are. They are the remnant according to the election of grace. And that's not my words. They're they're the election of grace whether they're Jew or Gentile. And that's not me saying what I want it to be. That's what the scriptures tell us. It doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile. Those who are chosen of God are true Jews. Turn over to Romans chapter 2. The end of the chapter, Romans 2. We'll read verse 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, not according to what men say, but according to what God does what he says, Pray, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Turn over to Romans 9. Romans 9 follows this very nicely in verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. And finally turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 verse 28. Here we know Paul is writing to the Gentile church in Galatia. It's a Gentile church. And he says, Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Those who are chosen of God and put into the hands of Christ to redeem them, they are the children of promise. They are the true Jews. Because the children are justified by the grace of God through the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he accomplished here on this cross. This is where the payment was made. This is where Christ shed his blood for the remission of the sins of the people. And now all his people for whom he died, we live by faith. Not according to the letter. Not according to the letter. None of us, I don't think, can prove our lineage to Abraham. But that doesn't matter. Because we come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come by faith, believing him who died for us and gave his life to put away our sins. We live by faith. As it's written, the just, the children, shall live by faith. The children of promise live by faith. And that's how we come. In fact, this is what our God tells us. This is what he reveals his purpose is in saving both Jew and Gentile, that they all are the children of promise. Not everyone, but his people are drawn from all those nations. Those that are his chosen people are drawn from all nations and through Christ. And we see this in what was written above in the title that, that sat above Christ. Go back to John 19. John 19 and verse 20. This title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek, and Latin, all the known, relevant languages there at that time. The Jews could read it, who could read Hebrew, and those that could read Greek, which was the previous empire, and those that could read Latin, which was the language of the Roman Empire. So there were a lot of people that could read these languages and so we, they, everyone, whether all people could read why, who this was, Jesus of Nazareth, and why he was there on that cross. He was there because he is the king of the Jews. And this heavenly proclamation is declared to all people, to all people, because he is the king of all men across the face of all the earth. There is but one king, one ruler, one sovereign. And we know him through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our king. We worship him and we rejoice in him. And this proclamation is to be made to all people, regardless of what we think, regardless of whether we think we know whether they'll believe or not. Oftentimes, most often, we're wrong. We're wrong. And the people we think will rejoice in this word, in this glorious good news, are the people who despise it because they have a righteousness of their own. They're already set. They have everything they need. They don't need your Jesus. They don't need the Savior. They don't need the Lord. They're Lord of themselves. They come in their own strength, in their own flesh, in their own power. But sinners, sinners love this good news. They love the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the Savior of sinners. Now, there's some very necessary information stated here that sinners want to know. They want to know about this title, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. First, his name is Jesus. And Jesus means Savior. His very name means Savior. Turn over to Matthew 1. Matthew 1, verse 21. Here the angel is speaking to Joseph about Mary. Matthew 1, 21. The angel tells Joseph, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You're going to call his name Jesus because he is the Savior, and he shall save his people from their sins. He shall not fail. He is the successful Savior of Almighty God for his people. He is the Savior. And Christ Jesus is the Son of God. Look up at verse 20, Matthew 1.20. But while Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He's the Son of God, born in the flesh. He came in the flesh that he should be the fit Savior for his people. He came and fulfilled all righteousness. He was born under the law, and he kept the law perfectly. Loving God and his neighbor perfectly fulfilled all righteousness for his people. And he came to save his people from their sins. He came in the flesh that he would die as the substitute of all the people given to him by the Father. He is their substitute. He died in their place. He's their surety. He paid their debt that we owe. He came to propitiate the wrath of God which was against us. To turn the anger of God from me for my sin. That he was justly angry with me for. And he put it on Christ. Christ turned it from me to himself to Put away the wrath of God to deliver us who believe in him from the hands of justice. To satisfy God, to satisfy the law so that nothing, no charge could be laid against those who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why God ordained Christ to be delivered to be crucified. God could easily have delivered his son. But he didn't want to. He wanted to save his people. And the Son willingly gave his life to save his bride. He faithfully obeyed his heavenly Father in all things, even unto death, the death of the cross. And because there on the cross, Christ gave his life to make an atonement for the sins of his people. That's why he was there, to to give, to give make an atonement, to make a covering with his own blood, For the sins of his people, and therefore, his name is Jesus. As it was said, he shall, and he has saved his people from their sins. He's accomplished the work. The work is done. The sins of the people are forgiven. And you know, this was, I don't know if you could say, it it seems like it was his first act as the king. I mean, coming down in the flesh was certainly a, a mighty act. This is a glorious act. As our king, the king laid down his life for the servants. He laid down his life for all his subjects, for his people, those who were enemies and unworthy of this. And yet, Christ, as the king, laid down his life that his people might have life through him. He didn't fail to save any one of his people, he redeemed them all with his precious, precious blood. None for whom Christ died is lost. And we preach this word because all for whom Christ died, they are forgiven. That's why we've been given this this ministry. The Spirit of God has been poured out upon his people to seek that which was lost. And he's given this word as our ministry, this word of reconciliation, to preach and declare it to the people because they are forgiven and and Christ is going to have his sheep. He's going to deliver his sheep out of darkness, bringing them out of the fold of death and into the fold of his people, of his church, of his glorious kingdom. He shall not fail. And so our Lord sends this word, come out, come out from your vain dead works. What our Lord calls wicked works. Dead letter works that cannot save. They're vile, they're worthless, they're wretched. That's not our righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ. He and He alone is all our righteousness. He's our blessedness. He's our hope. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is the promise of God. And you shall, for whom Christ died, because that is the purpose of God, that is his promise, and he cannot fail to save his people. All who are a sheep, they hear Christ's mighty voice, they believe and follow Christ out of the darkness and into the light of his glorious kingdom. Now, let me encourage you with one last thing of note concerning this title, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Pilate included the place where of Christ's origin, Nazareth. That's where he was conceived by the Holy Ghost in Mary, and he was born in Bethlehem, and they lived for a time down in Egypt, but after Herod died, they returned to Israel, and they went back up to Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were from. And he lived there most of his life, probably about 30 years, until his ministry started around age 33. And Nazareth was a very humble place to come from. It was a nothing place. It was a small place, a tiny little town, and it was far, far away from the hustle and the bustle of the great city of Jerusalem where people of power and influence went and lived, and and, and that's where, where they were. And Nazareth was this tiny little place up in Galilee on the other side of Samaria even. And when our Lord came, he was born to parents who were poor, parents who were nobodies. So poor were they that when they went to Bethlehem, they couldn't even find a place, a proper place to, to sleep or for Mary to have a child. And so they stayed in a room where animals were kept and were told that he was born a babe lying in a manger laying in a manger, and a manger is that trough where they would pour the food and put the, the provender for cows and donkeys and goats and sheep and other animals. He basically was laid in a food bowl for animals, is what it was. He's humble and he's lowly, and he came in this manner so that every sinner who knows what a worthless, poor, wretch they are who is despised and rejected by others and knows how low they've sunk and knows how desperate they are that they may come to the humble Savior who came lowly and poor and in the weakness of flesh just like you so that you would know and be encouraged go to him go to Christ believe him Ask him for mercy and forgiveness. He'll turn none away who come to him seeking his grace and mercy. Turn over to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, and we'll pick up in verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. See, people who have it all together, who know everything there is to know, they have plenty of wealth, they have what they need, they have plenty of friends and influence and power, and they have the things that make them happy in this world, and they're satisfied. These things are hid from them. That you that are broken, broken-hearted, you that are sinners, you that are filthy with your sin and corrupt in your hearts and have no righteousness, that's who God reveals these things to. That's who God reveals the Savior to, that he is the Savior of sinners. They need a Savior. He came to save the poor, the weak, the worthless, the wretched sinners. All things, he said, are delivered unto me of my father. He's saying, I'm the king. The father has made me king. I am the last Adam who has come to reconcile all things that were thrown off and destroyed by Adam and you in Adam. I've come to fix all that. I've come to set everything right for my people, for my kingdom, and to give you An expected end in me, an inheritance, a lasting inheritance that shall never be taken from you. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. He'll take you to the Father. He'll show you the Father, because in him the fullness of the Father and the Spirit and the Son dwell. To see him is to see the Father. Take, Come unto me, he said, verse 28, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is our king. He was crucified for this very purpose, to redeem sinners with his own blood, to reconcile sinners to holy God. And the Father promises, All you that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not be ashamed. You will not appear before God naked. You shall be clothed in the brightness of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. God ordained the title that Pilate wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Amen. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, which is given to us sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if any are here that are proud and arrogant and think they have all they need, break their hearts. Lord, keep us ever looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, for even... In us who believe on him, we see the pride and the arrogance of this nature, of this flesh, rising up in us. But Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that the blood goes much, much deeper than the stain of our sin. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you delivered your Son to be crucified for sinners, enemies, like us, who have nothing to give to you, nothing to boast in of ourselves, but we thank you for this glorious hope, for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Lord, we boast in him now, we glory in him, we thank you for him. We thank you for your son whom you sent, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, who gave his life us lord help us to carry forth this message to proclaim it boldly loudly that all may hear and that your people would be delivered from death and darkness into that glorious salvation which christ has obtained for every one of them it's in christ's name we pray amen